This passage from John is one that appears in all four of the Gospels. It appears in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And though some of the particulars may be changed, were there 4,000 or 5,000 people present, did Jesus give thanks, eucharistico, the word where Eucharist or communion comes from, or did Jesus just bless the food? These differences speak to the various intent of the gospel authors, to tell of their communities and to tell their communities about who God is and who Jesus is in the world. When we hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000, maybe we glaze over. For this one is old hat. It's one of the classics that make it into many children's Bibles. It's taught in Sunday schools and vacation Bible schools. It's one of the few that we, well, it's one of the few that we know. And while it's not revolutionary for us, we think that for early Christians, it would have been revolutionary. Cutting edge, hot off the presses. But for them, it was old hat too. Not because they knew what Jesus had done, but because this story was a familiar one. See, there's another famous story in the Bible about food. Let's see if you can listen and remember. It's about a leader who takes his people to the wilderness, where, as people do, they become hungry. And these people are unsure about where their next meal comes from, and this leader goes way up onto a hill or maybe a mountain to speak to God, where food appears and all were fed and everyone had enough and leftovers were gathered. Can any of you guess who that leader was? Seth? Yeah. 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 Your education served you well, sir. Yes. It is Moses. All the Gospels are connecting Jesus here with the great prophet Moses, who liberates, bringing his people from captivity and slavery into freedom. And like Moses, Jesus too promises liberation, and that there is enough, and that we are enough, and that we will have more and that we are more than leftovers. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. 
Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorified in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you couldn't guess by my beginning of this morning's worship, this past Thursday, my husband Dan and I went to the Glen Art Theater and saw the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Really, there was a reason that on a Thursday afternoon, it was, I went to the movies. It was sermon research, after all. But if I'm honest with you all, lately I've felt a little bit like Pharaoh in the Exodus story, my heart hardening. See, there's so much pain in this world. I see it when I read the news, I hear it on the radio, the images nestle in my mind. And in an attempt not to be swallowed by it, I wall off my heart sometimes, compartmentalizing the chaos. And I was skeptical as I went into this dark theater, the cool blackness swallowing me. But in those two hours that followed, I was transformed. Transformed, yes, into a blubbering mess, using my shirt to sop up my tears and the snot that streamed from my face. The sound of sniffles surrounding me as I joined with strangers and we cried together in the dark. And in those two hours, my heart was also transformed. And maybe I began to believe, maybe the world isn't so bad as it seems. If it is filled with people like Mr. Rogers, the quiet and the unassuming of us who can take what gifts we have to feed the deep need, the deep hunger of this world. Now, some of you might wonder why I'm talking about neighborhoods and neighborliness. Wouldn't this fit better in the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus was asked, who would be my neighbor? But what was at the heart of this children's treasure and what is at the heart of the gospel are the same thing. In grainy film from the 1960s, we hear that familiar measured voice Preach the gospel. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack thereof. And it's in the gospel for today. 
And in the gospel for today, I can imagine this wilderness that Laura just read of, this wilderness on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a sea that is 64 square miles, roughly the size of Washington, D.C., 13 miles long, not really a sea at all. Friends, many of us commute longer distances than that epic sea. Some of you drove longer distances to be here at church this morning than that sea. And for those of you who are maybe a touch insane, you can even run the distance of one side of the Sea of Galilee. See, in my own mind's eye, I had increased the size of this sea to meet its mythic proportions. And the size of the sea changes things for me. With the sea being so small, I wonder and I imagine, not strangers from long distances far away gathering together in this story, but neighbors from local towns coming together, maybe traveling with one another, filling their backpacks and animal skins with water because we are in the desert after all. Or maybe that day, those years ago, they traveled with their family or with their friends, taking a day away from the fields and the animals, from the storefronts and their lives to see this man who is said to have done great things things. They gather out of hope and out of a desire to dream. They gather because they want to live a different way. As the Israelites in the time of Moses did, they dream and they hope for lives that don't have to be like this. While Moses led a revolution, calling his people from slavery to freedom, from Egypt to their promised land flowing with milk and honey, Jesus calls us too. When we grow weary and tired of this world, a world that ignores the cries of the sick and lonely, a world that attempts to demean and degrade When we are scared, scarcity clinging to us like a small child, and like Philip in this story, we think that no amount will ever be enough. And we don't think we will have enough to feed those voices within us that are crying out. Or we cannot feed or fix the cries of hunger and pain in our world. What then? can we hold on to? As I have examined my own life, I feel like more often than not, I have been Philip, crying out that no matter if I had that many dollars or that many resources, it wouldn't be enough. But I hope and I pray that I can be more like Andrew, who saw that those around him, no matter how unassuming, have gifts, immeasurable. And really, I pray that I can be like that little boy, not having much but giving not the leftovers, but all that he had. How many times, and maybe you resonate with this too, how many times have I or we opened up our pantry to donate food 
And immediately I go to those gifts, the creamed corn and green beans that I don't really like. Those canned items that have sat on my shelf for far too long that they have a thin coat of dust covering the top. How many times have I given my leftovers to people who deserve more? With both Dan, my husband, and I pouring ourselves out into our work, as many of you do, so often we finish the day and we find that our best selves are spent. We have seemed to given away all of our patience, all of our curiosity, all of our energy to engage. And upon arriving in the door, we find ourselves not wanting to talk or getting frustrated quickly or not being present. I distinctly remember a Christmas Eve when my husband Dan came home from his church excited to share with me the spirit of the holiday. And I told him, you can talk at me, but I will not respond. (laughs) And I fell asleep. Sometimes we give one another our emotional leftovers. But this passage reminds us that together, there is always enough for everyone to have what is needed and for there to be left over. And not just a little, but 10 baskets full. The people were not given leftovers, what someone else didn't want. And the people were reminded, and we are reminded, that there is more and that we are more than left over. I remember when I was in middle school and I would hear passages like this one. And usually it would come to me early on a Sunday morning as we were getting ready for church. And I would point it out to my mother as another example of how the Bible got it wrong. Justification that going to church was absolutely ridiculous and I should stay in bed or do the New York Times crossword puzzle like most other people. (laughs) Maybe you've had these moments, too, about how scripture that's supposed to be so holy, well, got it wrong or flat-out false. How could you expect me to believe that 5,000 people were fed with just a few loaves and just a few fishes? I can't remember exactly what my mother said to my exasperation. I'm sure if it was a bad day, she would attempt to hustle me along. We're going to be late for church again, being a mantra in our family. God bless the parents of strong-willed little women. (laughs) But more often than not, she would breathe deep, and she would invite me to wonder. And I wonder today, If those gathered by that hill in the wilderness on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, maybe people who had lived in community with one another for their whole lives, or maybe strangers, maybe on that day those years ago, maybe they created a promised land where milk and honey were actually bread and fish. I wonder if they created a promised land, a neighborhood where we are loved as we are. A neighborhood where we give what we have to share, not just the leftovers. 
where bags were opened and pieces, though seemingly small, were given for all, what everyone had provided enough for there to be leftovers. This isn't a story that was written then, those years ago in a land far away. But this is a story that lives and breathes with you and with me. And today we get to be part of building that neighborhood. From the sanctuary of this space, we will be bringing a little bit of peace and a whole lot of love to the Humboldt Park neighborhood in Chicago. We will be making sandwiches for the Night Ministry, an organization that recognizes the dignity and worth of all of God's children, even and maybe especially those who sit and sleep on street corners in our city, those who wait in food lines, who watch with hungry eyes those lives that could have been walk by those little ones who get free or reduced lunch in our giving, may they know that there is nothing free or reduced about them in God's eyes. They are more than left over. And we invite you, all of you, to live out this sacred story today after the service, to make a sandwich and say a prayer for those who will take and eat Remembering that we are all God's beloved. We are all neighbors. We are all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. A Christ who was the first to tell us. A Christ who, in the waters of our baptism, reminds us that you are special just as you are. And maybe we can believe that there is more than leftovers, and we are more than leftover. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Amen. <laughs>